parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hello, and welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I'm so glad you're here. Y'all, I am so excited about today's episode because I get asked all the time, how do I get my partner on board with gentle, conscious, respectful parenting? So if you've ever asked that question, this episode is for you. And before I introduce today's guest, I just wanted to remind you, I have an amazing and helpful free guide called Six Mindset Shifts to Ditch the Overwhelm and Parent in a Way that Feels Good. This guide would be an awesome thing to sit down and look at with your partner together. It's going to help you set the stage for parenting in a way that truly feels good for you, for your partner, and for your child. You can grab your copy today totally free, raiseresilient.com forward slash mindset. Okay, so I am so excited to introduce today's guest to you. Today, I am interviewing Brianna Capodacanal. Brianna is a licensed marriage and family therapist, an infant family early childhood mental health specialist, a perinatal mental health specialist certified, and a certified conscious parenting coach. She is the owner and voice behind Conscious Mommy, where she teaches parents to become the conscious parent they never had. For more than a decade, she's helped thousands of parents learn how to end power struggles, break cycles of past hurts, and transform the energy of their home from chaos to peace. Brianna is also mom to two young kids, and she lives with her spouse and her children in Southern California. Hi, Brianna. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Hillary. So today, Brianna and I are going to talk about how to navigate gentle, respectful, conscious parenting If your co-parent is not, or your co-parent, your partner is not on board, how do we navigate that? I know I get so many questions about that. I bet you do too. Every single day, multiple times per day, everybody wants to know my partner is not on board with what I'm trying to implement into our home and how do I get them on board? And my first piece of advice is probably something that's going to not feel very good. We have to stop trying to gatekeep and get them on board. It's not our job to get somebody on board because one person, one person's style is not necessarily better or more right than another person. And we do this as moms, we gatekeep. And there's a reason why we gatekeep. We have been really conditioned to be the ones in charge of the home and the family life. We really, as women, I feel are conditioned, as mothers, we are conditioned and trained to know how to serve the thoughts, feelings, and needs of everybody around us, be responsive, anticipate the thoughts, feelings, and needs of everybody around us, and keep it going like as if it's just happening kind of seamlessly in the background, right? Like we're just very conditioned to do that. And so as a result, when we see our parenting partners, you know, wanting to step up, but not doing it in the way that we think they should, 
we feel like, well, this is my domain. Let me tell you what you're supposed to do. Very disempowering. And this really, this hurts relationships. Yes, that is such a great point. It hurts relationships so much when one of us is constantly saying, no, do it my way. My way is the right way. And I think that's true even if what you're bringing to the table is objectively a good thing when it comes to parenting. But I'm not going to lie. I definitely feel called out right now too because (laughs) even though I know that this is not a healthy dynamic in a relationship, my poor partner, because I definitely still do this myself. Me too. I've I've had to really learn to bite my tongue and give my, my husband confidence that he can make decisions. And there's a lot of decisions that he makes that I don't personally agree with. Yes. And I think that's the challenge is letting go enough to let our partners have the space to make these decisions. And yeah, we're not always going to agree. Let's talk about that. When our partner makes a parenting decision that you know is not going to turn out great and then does not turn out great, how do we respond? Do we go in and we attack? Do we criticize? Do we explain to them why what they did was wrong and why it didn't why it didn't work? No, we don't do that. What we do is we say, tell me what was going on for you in that moment. Gosh, yeah, that's such a great point. It's like we remember to get curious with our kids, but sometimes we forget to do that with our partners. Can we maybe walk through an example of how that might play out in a real life situation? Yeah. So my husband, he had this like repeated interaction with my son that was just really irksome for me. He would go, like roll his eyes and just exhale with just, it felt kind of like contempt or like disgust. And this is really triggering for me. I've recently been made aware of my neurodivergence and I've been unpacking this for several years now. And this was a repeated experience that I had as a child growing up. Like people were just like exhausted by me and found me very intense. And we didn't have the language of neurodivergence then. So like we didn't know that that's what was going on for me. And that's why I was just kind of different compared to my siblings. And so I was feeling really triggered by that. And so I made sure to do my own work. We always have to be in charge of our own work. If you are triggered by something that your partner is doing, that trigger is about you. You need to ask yourself, what is this about for me? So I became very clear on that. And then I went to um, my husband and I said, you know, I I noticed that you keep kind of every time Mateo does something that seems to like bother you or annoy you. Can you tell me a little bit more about like what that is for you? What is, what's happening inside? Just, I'm so frustrated, you know, like he just doesn't listen to me and I, I don't know how to get him to listen to me. And it's just like the best thing that I can do instead of like yelling at him or like flipping out on him. So like, that's important. What my partner is doing, like this is their best. This, this is, is their best. And sometimes their best is not your best. And that is okay. We have to honor and appreciate what a person's best is. Right. Right. And like he was doing that. So he wouldn't do something that was worse in his mind, right? Like yelling. Right. And so I said, wow, I can totally get that. You're right. I go and I validate the experience. Like, you know, my son is also a neurodivergent. I said, it's hard. Like it's hard being the parent of a neurodivergent child. And so I can totally understand why you're frustrated by this. I love that. I love that you started with you and asked yourself, okay, what is being triggered in me right now? What is this about for me? And then once you figured that out, you were able to really be there for him and validate what he was feeling. Right. Now we do like the therapy work. So what do you think it is like for Mateo when you do that? And that's when my husband really dropped in. He needed me to validate and see and honor his experience. This is what our partners need. And this is what we need. We need to have our experience validated and honored and seen and heard and understood, which will facilitate the ability to then be curious about the child's experience. Right. Because you can't get that curiosity without creating that emotional safety. And I think so often with our partners, we forget to co-regulate. We think 
that they just need to have it together. But so much of the partnership really is like the attachment relationship. And we are meant to hold space for and co-regulate with each other, you know? And I think it's really easy to just jump in and say, whoa, what are you doing? Right. Totally. That's not okay. Look at what you're doing to him. What's wrong with you? Do you want him to hate, hate you the way that you hate your father? Right? Yes. Like, these are not helpful things, but we say them hands up, hands up. Who says them? Oh my gosh. Yes. A hundred percent. Even though I know better, I still say those things to my partner. I think we all do sometimes, you know, for me, and I don't know if you feel this way too, but it's like, I do this for a living. So it is really hard to turn that off and give my husband the space he deserves to be a parent. Totally. I think sometimes we forget that our partners are not us, that they are on their own parenting journey. They have their own story arc. They might not be where we are in terms of understanding our triggers and understanding what our kids need. And that's okay. But like you said, it's so easy to get frustrated and triggered by this process. So how do we stay regulated enough ourselves to show up for our partners and for our kids in these moments? Well, you know, our partnerships, the the lifelong partnerships that we choose are usually just reflections of the relationships that we had in our early childhood experiences. And so one of... I think the more helpful ways to regulate is to notice that, to notice what from my own childhood is being triggered right now. So like I'm really averse to screaming and to yelling, like the angry yelling and screaming is really aversive for me and causes my body to have a really strong reaction. Mm, Same here. And so the way that I regulate when I am in an experience where I hear my partner do that is I have to allow myself to ground, breathe, remind myself, okay, you're not back in that environment. Clearly something is going on for him. How can you be helpful? So I like to ask myself that question. How can I help? Not how can I stop this? How can I fix this? Right? Stopping and fixing, coming from a place of anxiety. How can I help? How can I support? Or how can I help you? You have to have a discussion when you're not triggered and figure out what is the language between the two of you that actually feels good. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's, do you need some help or can I support you? And sometimes it's a code word. It's like pink elephant. I don't know. Muskrat. Right. Muskrat. Muskrat. But it has to be something that feels good for the two of you and is not going to trigger us into this dysregulated emotional state even further. But it has to really be coming from that place of, I want to support you. Not you're doing this wrong, you're failing, you're a bad parent, but oh wow, like this is a hard moment. I can see, how can I help? And even just that energetic shift can really make a big difference in a relationship. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that let me help you. Do you want to tag out? Do you need a break versus go take a break or, oh my gosh, you need to stop or those kinds of things that feel so punitive and unhelpful, just like for our kids. It's so parallel to what's going on with our kids. But I think it's just for a lot of us, we don't see our partners in that same, hey, they need my help kind of way. We've made that gentle parenting shift with our kids, but not with our partners. And I think that's such an important thing. And I agree, having that conversation when you have cooler heads and you're not in the heat of the moment to have a plan is so important. I mean, every day, every day we need to be prioritizing a little daily download or a daily debriefing of our relationship and our parenting experiences today. Now, in the early, early, early days, I completely understand why a daily debriefing with a partner might be might be tough. But once your child is sleeping through the night and you've got a good rhythm and things are okay and you have 10 minutes while you're standing at the bathroom counter at night brushing your teeth, do 10 minutes less of, of Netflix and take those 10 minutes, five minutes each to just do a 
a little debriefing, a little processing together of what our day has been like, how we're feeling about our relationship today, and how we're feeling about our parenting today. This is going to bring you closer. This is going to teach you how to understand the person with more compassion. And it might actually become a place where you can express I feel really guilty about how I behaved or, you know, I don't, I'm not really into what ha- what I saw happen between you and the kid. And, and I want to talk about it because I'd love for us to find new ways that are, you know, more in alignment with who we want to be as parents. We have to make space for the conversation. Yes. And that's such an important distinction when you talk about having this dedicated time and sharing this away from the kids and away from the heat of the moment. That is something I am working on because it is so hard sometimes. You want to just say something in the moment, but the truth is that hurts your kids. That hurts your partnership. It really needs to be in this safe, protected, like you and me space away from the kids. And I think something else that came up for me when you were talking is the importance of modeling, not just the way we are with our kids. I think that's really important. We can model for our partners how we want them to be with our kids, but then also modeling that vulnerability. I really don't like how I handled X, Y, or Z with the kids today. To create the safe space for your partner to then say, yeah, I didn't feel really great about myself when I yelled today either. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And you know, I just want to be mindful of how when we have these conversations, so much of the responsibility of training, especially male partners in stepping up into the fatherhood role, does tend to fall onto the shoulders of women. And I don't want to be like sending a message that like it is your job to teach your partner how to parent. It is your partner's job to figure out how to take part in this family in a way that feels good for everybody, right? That's part of being in a, in a family. And so a really great thing is to go to therapy and to go to therapy together. You know, I I don't know about you, but I provide parenting therapy. Yep. Same here. Let's do some parenting therapy and let's learn about child development together. Let's understand how our unique cultural upbringing influences how we view a child and how we view our role as parent. Let's, let's understand what our own parents taught us about being a parent. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times somebody becomes the default parent. And I've seen it happen to dads because mom was very much struggling with mental health in the beginning. And I've seen it happen to moms because they're breastfeeding and it just kind of becomes, okay, well, now I'm the person. Or one parent stays home and the other parent goes into work in an office. Or even if they're working from home, it's like the child is the other person's responsibility. And so I think it can be challenging to navigate this co-parenting relationship when one person, right, wrong, or indifferent, kind of has that default role. And sometimes I think that can just be unspoken. Like I know when we had our first child, I never planned to stay home, but it worked out that way. I didn't realize how that plus breastfeeding would put me in this default parent role. I don't think my partner realized it either. I think we both were just doing our thing and his experience was like, okay, this is really hard. Like I'm the full breadwinner. I have to have that entire responsibility on my shoulders. And I was over here separately having this feeling of I'm doing it all. I felt so burned out and like I was on all the time. Like we were talking about before we hit record, right? Right, right, right. And I think that is so challenging because often we don't realize that each of us 
us are having this separate experience. We don't talk about that. And so it's easy to grow resentment. And then from there, it's really tough to have that vulnerability, that curiosity, that safety emotionally. And I think just talking about it, like, okay, here's what I worry about in a day. What about you? What's your day like? And then asking for help where you need it. I think that's such a basic thing, but so many of us don't feel safe to ask for help because as kids, you know, we didn't get our needs met in that way. So it doesn't feel safe to show up and say, Hey, I need this. But that's so important in our partnerships. It's so important. And this is why getting into the habit of having a regular conversation can be preventative, actually. It can help you actually set the tone together. This is what we want out of our family. Let's say one parent is breaking the cycle of spanking, for example, and another person still really believes that spanking is important and is required for a child to be disciplined. And so when this comes up, while you know, I would suggest a, a pretty strong line against any kind of physical abuse or physical punishment toward a child, we can still be open to explore what do you think spanking teaches? And I wonder how can we find other ways to teach that? Because I'm really not okay with the hitting, but I do appreciate that you want to be teaching your child something really important. And I want to support you on that. So how can I support you, but also be really clear that there's a limit on on hitting. Hitting is not going to be okay, right? We, we can even have tough conversations like that, again, because we're prioritizing it. We're learning about the other person's perspective. We're not immediately shutting them down or acting like they are incompetent and unable to make parenting decisions, but that we're, we're really, let's work together. I can tell the difference between parents who prioritize this working together motto, maybe. You can see the difference, the parents who are putting in that little bit of effort. There, there's no perfection, right? Like you're still going to have your risks. You're still going to disagree on things. But then also there is a little bit more mutuality and a little bit more respect and appreciation that like there is just not one way to do this. There's not one right way to do this. And I think that's so important that we appreciate that about parenting and raising children. Absolutely. You know, I remember when I was in my earlier stages of parenthood, in my own therapy, my therapist was like, you know, your child is not you. And any interaction that he's having with your partner that you don't like, that might like have a hint of something you experienced as a child that you're sensitive to, doesn't mean that that's going to be his experience. Even of the same interaction, he might have a different experience, but also this relationship is not recreated you when you were a child, but that's what your body is experiencing because it's a trigger, right? So we feel like it's like life or death in that moment. We feel that because we're triggered and we feel like, oh my gosh, this cannot go on. And I think it's important to say explicitly, I mean, you you just said this too with hitting. When we are talking about this, we're talking about parenting techniques outside of abuse, right? We're not talking about situations where children actually aren't safe. And I would say any kind of hitting to me would cross that line, but Outside of that, so, okay, one parent is sending the kid to timeout or even yelling. Taking a toy away. Yes, taking a toy away. That's a great example, right? These are not life or death situations. And I know that it's really hard because you might've heard me say on this podcast, like, hey, this is not the best way to handle that. And so you might have alarm bells in your body going off saying, oh my gosh, this is not okay. My kid's gonna not be okay. But remember, we don't have to get it right all the time. And our partners don't have to get it right all the time. And I think that's just such an important thing in 
in those moments to remember that you have the space to work through this. You feel like you don't. You feel like you've got to fix this immediately. But really, you have so much time and space. And the more you can be, that you can show up for your partner with that curiosity and that how can I help attitude, the more change you're going to see. Right. Absolutely. So like in the example with my husband, so yes, like as you were saying, I was having that reaction of like, oh my gosh, my son must be feeling like he's way too intense and you know he's never good enough and everybody hates him and nobody wants to be around him, right? Like that's what I was perceiving my son must have been feeling because of course, you know, if I felt it as a child, then he must be feeling it too. Of course not. That's not true. I could always use my experience as a, I wonder if, but that doesn't, it's not a definite. Right. So when I brought that question to my husband and he sat and he thought about it, he was, he was like, wow, you know, you're really making me remember that my, my parents used to do that to me. And it always made me feel like, like I was a burden. Like I was constantly inconveniencing them. So I had this experience of, oh, is he making him feel like it too intense, too much, not enough. And for him, I'm an inconvenience. I'm burdening. And so then together, we both are bringing our own experiences into the mix to then be curious, could our son be feeling this way? So then he said, what do I, what should I do about this? I said, I wonder if you you might be open to having a conversation with him about it. And so he did. He had a conversation with our four and a half year old about it. And my son said that he didn't like it, that he did that. And it just made him feel bad inside. That was all he could articulate. And so we can hold space together because we worked together to kind of come up with a theory that might be any of those things. But all we know for sure is that that makes the child feel bad inside. And so we've learned, okay, we have to really control our reactions and we need to we need to go out of our way to help this to help remind this child of how much we love being around him and how he's even when he's giving us a hard time like he's he's still lovable like that's important that he gets that message and i don't think any of that i in fact i know that none of this would have been revealed had i come in as the expert with all the information and told him, this is what you're doing wrong, and here's why, and here's what you need to do instead. Not going to be helpful. I need to be soft. I need to be sensitive. I need to be responsive. I need to be supportive. And that is what I invite all co-parents to do together. Give each other the benefit of the doubt. Assume good intent. There is good intention. Assume it and find a way to see it. Absolutely. And I think that is so, so, so important because it's very easy to assume bad intent, just like with our kids, right? Our mindset, if our kid is hitting and we're like, oh my gosh, that's bad behavior. What's wrong with my kid? You know, we're looking at that through the lens of something negative. It's got to be something negative. My kid's talking to me with an attitude. He's going to be disrespectful, right? And we look at our partners that same way, like he's a big, scary, mean dad, or she's a cold, uncaring mom or whatever, right? And I think it's easy to do that and really a lot harder to stop get curious. And for me, what can be helpful is to think about the last time I made a parenting mistake, which is usually not that far back because I'm human. And you know, how did I feel in that moment? And I can tell you 99.9% of the time I am very aware. And I'm like, oh, that didn't feel good. So our partners are feeling that too, even if they can't fully articulate why it doesn't feel good or the gentle conscious parenting strategy behind it, right? They just know just like we do when we mess up. And so can we hold space for that? 
Yeah. And yeah. And so we do need to regulate those impulses to react. Just like we're working on regulating those impulses to react toward our children, we need to be practicing that in our partnerships as well. It's a lot of work. Can we just honor that it's a lot of work? Yes, it is a lot of work. I definitely think we need to acknowledge that because it's not easy. I personally think being in a long-term committed relationship is more work than parenting. That is my personal experience. Yes, same for sure. It's more vulnerable to me actually. Cause like my kids, there's really not much that they can do to really hurt me. Right. Like I'm trained enough to, when my kid acts out, when they tell me that, you know, they don't like me, you know, I'm a mean mommy, right? Like I'm, I'm trained enough to be like, oh, okay. They're really feeling something big and strong. I, it doesn't, it doesn't pierce, but I am 100% acting out nearly all of my attachment wounds with my husband, like all the freaking time. Yes. Oh my gosh. Same. And like, we're both avoidant attachment, which by the way, very fun marriage to be in is to be both avoided <laughs> because we never fight, right? We, we never we never have arguments because we're both like, we're just, we just desert each other. So, so much of our work has been learning how to turn inward and how to like love and be in conflict. My husband and I are the opposite. We're both very passionate, fiery people. So like we are very quick to be reactive with each other. Much more like I, I am very slow to react with my kids these days. I've not always been that way, but I feel like, like you, I have the training and usually it's just not quite so triggering to where I'm like, ah, but with my poor husband, <laughs> like I just, it's easy to get to that place. And so that's what we've had to work on is taking deep breaths in the moment together. Like he will literally grab my hands and be like, let's take some deep breaths. And one of us taking a break when we are triggered and doing it in the right way of like, I love you. I need a minute. Right. So that's our work. And it's, it is, it is the hardest work I've ever done, but it's the most worthwhile. You know, we'll be married 10 years this year. And like, I have healed so much in this marriage, like even more than all the therapy I've been to combined, just because we have the power to either reenact our attachment wounds and never heal them or to reenact them, recognize that and heal them. And that is so powerful. And that is why we, when we're co-parenting, that's why it's such a challenge. Because if we're not aware that that's actually the work that we're doing, we will put that aside, make that work the back burner and make it like our work is about these kids And it isn't. That is secondary. The work with the kids is secondary to the work that we're doing with our partner on our own attachments, on our own sense of security, and on how we're really learning to be in relationship together. Because honestly, at the end of the day, what we are modeling with our partners in terms of how to be in relationship, that's what our children are going to pick up. You can be the nicest, most Mary Poppins mother to your kid, but if you are screaming and yelling and you know, criticizing and nitpicking your partner, your child will pick up on that. And that is how your child is going to go out into the world. A hundred percent. And that's not to say that you can't mess up or have hard moments in front of your kids. Please do. And also repair those, those mess ups and those hard moments. Exactly. If you have a fight, if you let a name slip, if you let a curse word slip, if it gets too heated, talk to your kids about it together. Go in holding hands, say, we will get through anything together. We love each other. We are very sorry that our big feelings got out of hand. Create that narrative for your kids. Yes, absolutely. Make it your goal to show your kids what it's like to have a warm, caring partnership. Yes. Even if you have hard moments, like everybody has hard moments. And I don't think we talk about it, the hard moments in our marriage nearly enough in this society. Yeah, it's normal. It's so normal. (laughs) 
And then to repair that, that is everything for a kid to see that and to feel like their family is standing on solid ground. And this is true, by the way, even if you are separated or divorced, mm-hmm. to have that working relationship with your co-parent that your kids right. see is like, it's invaluable. Right. It can, you can still have a warm, nurturing, caring relationship and not be intimate. And we can do that for each other, not just because it's actually really great for the children, but because it's literally good for us. This conversation, I think it's so important just to kind of bring it back. It is not about getting your partner on board with you and your way. It is actually about the two of you aligning your paths together and building whatever new road it is that the two of you are destined to build. Yes, I love that so much. This image of this path that we are walking together, this thing that we are building together as we create our family together. And I think so much of that comes down to what are our values for our family? How do we want our household to feel? Because I think we can usually agree on those things. We can agree, for example, that we want our household to feel peaceful. We want to feel connected to each other. So then it becomes just about the how, right? Maybe one of you is really invested in timeouts or spanking and the other one says, no, 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 that's not the right way. But if we're focusing on the values, we can usually negotiate the how. Yeah, yeah. Well, really profound, profound insights, I think, especially around the values and what gets in the way of us living out our values and how do we want to overcome those barriers, right? How do we want to actually find a way to live the way that we desire to live in the home? Yes, exactly. I love that. Brianna, you have given us so much helpful, actionable wisdom today, especially this idea of this 10-minute conversation we can have to really increase communication in our partnership, not just about parenting, right, but about anything. So that's something, if you're listening today and this has been a struggle for you, you can literally start doing that today. Yeah. So Brianna, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and what you have to offer? Yeah. So you can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. My handle's Conscious Mommy. But if you're looking for my online classes and workshops and some coaching, you can reach me at ConsciousMommy.com. Awesome. And I will link all of that in the show notes as well. Brianna, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.